welcome to show number 210 of Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through until the weekend variety wireless cracks off at 8pm. Don McGlashan and the Mutton Birds leading us into the show because, of course, it is New Zealand Music Month all of May. I was lucky enough to see Mr Dom McGlashan performing that song and many others at uh, a sort of a little out-of-the-way arts festival up in Titirangi um, a couple of weeks ago. Beautiful, beautiful song from one of New Zealand's most talented musicians. Hey, I hope you're hoping a fantastic Mother's Day if you're a mother, and if you're not, I hope you have made your mother feel very, very special all day. I'd love you to be part of the show tonight. As always, text me 3920 keyword live. That'll pop up right here in front of me. You can tweet me. I love it when you tweet me. It makes me feel like you care. You've joined Twitter. You've found my handle, at Vaughan Davis, and you've tweeted me. So tweet me, at Vaughan Davis, and I'll get right back to you on that. Later in the show, he's also on Twitter, Mr. Piyush Chandra. His initials are PC, which is which is kind of good if you're a tech guy. He's quite the tech guy. He's got a new way to keep tabs on the teenagers. As always, or as almost always, he's got a little bit of uh, internet information about bacon, and we all need that, and quite a lot to say tonight about privacy. First, though. only way to find out about the birds and the bees was behind the school bike sheds or by looking at dodgy uncles magazines these days of course no one rides bikes to school anymore so we're less informed than ever about what goes where what's normal how to ask nicely and much more and the internet if anything has just made the problem worse until now. Lizzie Marbley and her team have just completed a project that's been a long time in the making called The Real Sex Talk and she's here to tell us all about it. Lizzie, welcome back to the show. Kia ora Vaughan. What is The Real Sex Talk? In a nutshell, it is a 12-part web series uh, that delivers a whole lot of information about sexuality, education, uh, the cast are a mix of celebrities and experts and the overall aim is to provide really credible information in a way that's accessible for young people. So one way that you've chosen to make it accessible to young people is through making it a web series rather than a, a TV series mm -hmm. or in, indeed a high rating uh, radio live show. <laughs> yes indeed. What, what's, what, what is a web series anyway when it's at home? Um, a web series is a, a series of shorter videos so for us we've uh, i think the duration of most of our videos is between i think that probably the shortest is about eight minutes and the longest is about 12 and so there are 12 different episodes or webisodes if you like of the series um, and they all build on each other so you'll find sometimes in drama it'll be like basically imagine a tv show but cut into smaller chunks and then kind of released over a period of time or put all put up online at the same time but for us it's we're basically we start off with the first time then we go into things like um, respect and relationships and consent and um, STIs and contraception and protection. I'm so glad they're called STIs these days because you know what they were called when I was at school? Uh, VD. You got it. You <laughs> got it. Disease. You got it. <laughs> 
Yes, no, we've we've updated the terminology. I, um, I thank you for it, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, Simon Thomas Ingram probably uh, doesn't thank you so much if, if there is if there is such a person. <laughs> Indeed, um, and then towards the end of the series, we get into things like sexuality, gender identity, porn, um, sex, drugs, and alcohol, all those kinds of things, myths and stereotypes. Is our last episode? So uh, eight, eight to ten minutes, eight to twelve minutes. Mm. That's that's quite short. Yes, and. You know, if I'm making a TV show, it'd be 25 minutes long. I'd expect people to watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, if I'm making a radio show, it's not too much to ask people to hang around for an hour. Mm-hmm. Why, why so short? A couple of different reasons. One is that lots of digital research shows that viewers who are consuming online tend to uh, favour shorter videos. Also, young people have so many different things that they can be looking at online. Um, you know, their time is precious, so they they tend to also favour watching smaller, shorter videos. So we just thought we'd break it all down into smaller chunks. Um, and also I think it, it works for us because we're able to focus on an issue and to really give a, a broad overview um, and then hopefully in, in series to come, hopefully, fingers crossed in the next season, um, we would be able to delve more deeply into some of these issues. So where, where did the idea for the Real Six Talk come from in the first place? Did you just wake up and think, you know what, I'm going to make a, a, a web series. That's what I always wanted to dirty. be when I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> a web series producer making series about sex and teenagers. Um, no, in short, uh, it came about at the end of My Body, My Terms. So I made a campaign um, with my co-producer, Joe Raj, about three who's, who's years in ago. Who's involved too, right? Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. So Joe is the co-producer in the series as well. Um, and so we made this series, my, well, this campaign, My Body, My Terms, back in 2015. Which was all about consent. It was all about consent, revenge porn, um, victim blaming. Uh, so it, it really it did touch on some of the issues that we have gone into further depth with in The Real Sex Talk. Um, but My Body, My Terms was a... I think a one minute 30 video and then it had a, a bunch of kind of supporting material video diaries by the people, the cast who were actually in that video. Um, there are a whole lot of naked celebrities and just to give you a broad overview of that. Mm. Um, and what we realised after we'd made My Body, My Terms was that we we needed to do more. We just, we'd started the conversation but actually we kind of needed to walk the walk as well. We were we were saying all these things like, um, you know, uh, basically all the things around consent. So just because someone's been drinking doesn't mean that they're asking for it, all that kind of thing. Um, and what we really wanted to do was to try and get to the problem um, before it started. And for us, that was always going to be uh, talking to young people because if we can teach and empower and equip young people with all of the tools that they need to make good decisions, have healthy relationships... Um, have healthy sexual relationships, then actually a lot of those problems around consent that happen later on, uh, you know, hopefully the idea is that they won't happen. Why you? (laughs) Why me? I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think I just, I've always been passionate about um, empowering young people and... I think I was really shocked by the Roastbusters case in 2013. And I think for me, I'd, I'd always, you know, been aware of um, our terrible sexual violence statistics. But that one for me really crystallised it. And I just thought, you know, someone's got to do something about this. And and that's often I think people think, oh, someone else will, will fix it. But mm. no, that inevitably doesn't happen. So I just think I decided to get involved and try and do something to help. And you can't do this on your own. You've spoken about your co-producer, mm. 
but the other th- the other thing you need apart from an idea and enthusiasm is money Indeed. And just because we can all throw a video up on YouTube and it costs us nothing to do that doesn't mean that it's it's free to produce something of a, a higher quality mm. that will get seen by more people. So who, who paid for this? Thanks very much, New Zealand On Air. Oh, I saw a goldfish. <laughs> well, has that not happened for ages? No, not for a long time. Now it's the, the, the beautiful um, sunset the, over the, the mountains ri- is their, the ribbon their logo now. Yeah, it's, right. it's, yeah, so New Zealand On Bring Air. Bring the goldfish. <laughs> New Zealand On Air jumped on board with this. We were really, really thrilled. Um, it took about two years for us to get it off the ground and up and running. Yeah, I was gonna, so I was wondering about that. Mm. Um, you know, I in my day job, I, I, I dabble in things that need funding. Yes. And funding's often competitive. Mm. How, how, how hard was it to get money out of essentially the taxpayer? What was the pitch and, 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 and how did you convince them? Um, it it was it was difficult. I mean, it's it's never easy. Um, I mean, you know, the this is taxpayer money, so it really has to be spent on things that are very worthwhile. And there are a whole bunch of different criteria that you have to meet in order to access taxpayer funding. Um, so we went through two rounds with New Zealand on Air. We went in under an old web series fund, made it into the the like the shortlist, I think the top 12 out of a huge number. Um, and then they ended up funding eight drama series and they came back to us and said, please come back to us, we really like this idea. But, so but right now we're Right now drama. it's we're into drama. So we thought, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll try and come back later. And we ended up coming back probably about a year later under the new, in that time, the funding um, criteria or framework had changed. And w- the things that we were really tapping into were um, a targeted audience, um, you know, we really were wanting to get to young people. Um, also, this really is public service media because actually um, the, the market, as it were, is not providing this kind of information. And it's it's really important for our young people. So I think we really tapped into those criteria. We also had a very diverse cast. Um, and, and really we were kind of all about um, trying to empower young people with information and that's one of New Zealand On Air's functions is to inform, entertain and, you know, all the rest of it. So I'm, I'm guessing one, one of the things that NZ On Air, you know, said on behalf of the taxpayer is, hey, we're going to give you this money mm. and in exchange this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be some some uh, some reach, there's going, to, there's going to be some impact, there's going to be some change. Yeah. W- what were they looking for and, and did it happen and how do you even measure that stuff? Um, well, when you apply to New Zealand On Air, you identify your own measures of success. That's part of the application process. Um, for us, we've we've pretty much met them already. Um, you know, we'd, we'd had a measure of success that was looking across a whole year. Um, so it was just the number of people and type of people who saw the yes, videos? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. So, you know, it's pure audience reach, essentially. Um, and for us, I mean, we've that's, that's kind of the... the the black and white figures, but the anecdotal stuff that we've had back in the comments and people have sent direct messages to us has just been really amazing. And it's, for me, it's, I've just felt so, um, you know, honoured and humbled to to have had the opportunity to make this series because we're getting messages from, from young people who are saying, you know, we don't get any sex yet at our school and, um, you know, the teachers just kind of laugh and say, we'll use a condom. Um, and through your series, I've actually started to uh, feel comfortable with my own body and my own sexuality. And, and those kinds of messages are just, oh, they're, they're just totally what, everything that I could have wanted out of this series is just to try and, make a difference to at least one young person and, and that's really been achieved here. So it's it's been an amazing project to be part of. 
I want to talk about the the episodes themselves mm-hmm. in, in a bit, but you talk about being part of the project. One thing that really surprised me when I, I watched a few of the episodes is the one thing I didn't see was you, <laughs> which, yeah. which was a surprise, you know, because you know you're not you're not averse to um, to being, to being the, the talent. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I I always was the talent. Um, I, that's how my career started, and and it's. I'm certainly not averse to being in front of the camera um, in projects going forward. But with this one, you know, for a start, I had such a heavy workload on the production side. Um, And then also, I I kind of wanted to be, I wanted to let other people be the face of this. Um, And also, you know, the, the, the celebs that we chose, a lot of them were very relevant in those youth markets. So we had a lot of talent from Shortland Street, um, some talent from different rate like radio, from you know, lots of places where teens and young people already are. So whereas, you know, I potentially am not in those spaces as much. So it, it for me it was it was a no brainer really to, to be behind the camera rather than in front. I, I have heard though, um, through an anonymous source <laughs> that uh, you, you do you do feature in a small Yeah, I do. I've got a small cameo. Shot. My arm <laughs> my arm holds the um, wooden um, penis <laughs> in a condom demonstration. It sort of flies in from off screen and I, yeah, it's quite funny. I, my mother was like, oh God, what is what is my child doing? She's making a series on sex. Oh, what, when will it end? And I had to say to her, Mum, don't worry, I'm not in it. She went, oh, thank Apart God. Apart from this one time. <laughs> I talked to Lizzie Marvelly about video series The Real Sex Talk back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to Sunday Social, talking to Lizzie Marvelly about her latest project video series, The Real Sex Talk. Lizzie, welcome back. Thanks, Vaughan. So each of the episodes, how many episodes? Twelve. Twelve. Each of the twelve episodes, eight to twelve minutes long, mm-hmm. features a, um, a bunch of well-known people talking about different aspects of sex, sexuality, consent and so on. Um, is it is it a sign of really good talent selection and really good targeting that the only one I recognised was Guy Williams? <laughs> well, we hope so because you know I, I I put this as politely as I possibly can, but you're not really the target demographic for. No, that by by that you mean I know everything there is to know about <laughs> sex and I don't need your video series. That's um, what you're saying. No, you're saying yeah. I'm old. You're saying I'm old. <laughs> I was trying not to say yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. But yes, indeed. So when we were choosing the talent, we were very aware that, um, you know, for, for young people to access this information in a, in a way that felt really comfortable f- for them, we needed to have people fronting it who they recognised and, and they knew. Or, or maybe if they didn't recognise them, they could see themselves in them. Let's talk about the messaging, because... From from what I know of you and your career, um, you know you're you're a, a really accomplished musician. You know a lot about music. Uh, you know a lot about online publishing. But as far as I know, you're not qualified to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. So how did you make sure that the messages and the information you're getting across was was the right stuff? If if, if indeed there is right stuff. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so what was really important for us. Um, we first partnered with Rape Prevention Education. Um, they actually came on board as a funding partner, which we were really, really thrilled with. They were, they've just been amazing throughout the whole process. Um, so RPE came on board. They actually go into schools to deliver um, programs that are all about sexual health. Um, so 
they are the experts. You know, they, they receive government funding. They, they really know what they're talking about. We also partnered with Family Planning, um, another government-funded agency. Um, and, you know, Family Planning are in every, basically every community around the country. And they, they're medical professionals. So we were thrilled to have them on board. And then the other... Um, agency who came on board were um, Rainbow Youth and Rainbow Youth are just such a cool bunch of people to work with so we felt like so so some people will never have heard of Rainbow Youth mm. so Rainbow Youth is an Auckland based organisation that works with young people in the Rainbow community so it provides them so again sorry backing up the bus there, there are people listening who right, don't Rainbow even community. know what that is ok so um, LGBTQI so uh, lesbian LG gay B bisexual, T, trans, um, LGBTQ, queer, I, intersex. intersex. So this wasn't this wasn't a, a, a test. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just thinking, I'm thinking of people listening going, what is all this? Yeah, yeah. I just get so used to saying yeah. LGBTQI without actually, I know, you know. I know so yeah, for, for the people at home who, who haven't heard of those, uh, who, who don't know, I'm sure pretty much everyone's heard of LGBTQI, or LGBT at least, mm. but those are what those letters stand for. So basically they work with um, young queer teens um, to provide them with a safe place where they can get to know um, other people who might be going through some of the same stuff that they are um, and to provide a whole lot of information for people who might be questioning their sexuality or their gender. Um, so it was very important for us to have an organisation like that on board because I think one of the things that came through really strongly in the feedback um, was that a lot of young people have very what's called heteronormative um, sexuality education which means that it focuses on basically heterosexual sex um, and that's fine for a but for you know a certain percentage of the population but increasingly um, more and more young people are actually identifying as not completely straight so there are a lot of young people that are questioning their sexuality or their gender um, and what we really wanted to do with the real sex talk was to make sure that it was an as inclusive as possible so that we weren't just talking about um, you know here's a banana, put a condom on it. We're actually talking about or things he, like dental dams. Here's, here's and an eggplant, as, <laughs> as, as, as in yeah, your, yeah, yeah. As, an eggplant <laughs> or a taco, as Indeed, in your, yes. your, opening, uh, your opening animation, which, yes. which is a subtle reference to emojis, of Indeed, yeah. You talked about the feedback you got from young people. What about parents? Because parents, tend, they have a funny relationship with uh, sex education. They tend to not want to do it themselves, but then mm. when someone else does it, they tend to have a very strong opinion on it. <laughs> Yes, which is kind of ironic, really. Um, we've had some amazing feedback from parents. We've had parents who've made their sons sit down and watch it with them. Um, and, and the feedback has been really great. So I think I was kind of expecting some backlash and I was quite pleasantly surprised that it didn't really happen, which I think really is an acknowledgement that where we are in society... Um, Sexuality education is so important, especially because of the easy accessibility of porn online. And I think more and more parents are actually realising that. And with the Real Sex Talk, we're basically providing them with tools. Um, and, and also, you know, providing a resource that really some parents could say, oh, I don't want to deal with this, but hey, watch this video. Um, so I think in a way, we're not forcing it down anyone's throats. Um, we're saying, here, here are the resources. And to teachers, to parents, to young people, um, they can access and use them as they see fit. I wonder if in 2018, you know, there's just an assumption from parents that there's so much stuff online and none of us do what, you know, the experts say we should and monitor and sit over the shoulder of our, parent, our, our teens when they're online and we just assume that they've, they've, they've seen it all, they know it all. Which is a really dangerous assumption and 
you know, even if you do monitor what your young people are seeing online, they inevitably know ways to get around things like web nannies and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of stuff online, but there's a lot of porn online. And what's happening is that actually a lot of young people, their sex ed te- teacher is actually a porn star. And I think that that's what oh, parents I, I, need I, I, to... I, misund- I misunderstood your, uh, that, that, that sentence initially. <laughs> How many of our teachers are actually... Oh, I get it. You get it, okay, you know what I mean? So, so, so they're actually getting yeah. their sexuality education from porn, which is quite problematic because I think as any um, adult who's been in a loving sexual relationship knows, um, what we see in porn and what actually happens between consenting, loving, respectful adults are very different things. So basically we're, we're showing young people or giving them access to some really hardcore stuff that, that you know, a lot of you know, probably that I haven't experienced personally. Um, and we're saying to to young people, you know, here, learn about sex, but actually what they're learning about is not real sex. It's porn. But even stepping back to the real sex talk, mm-hmm. and I, and I was thinking about this um, earlier in the week with, uh, I guess, a, a, a similar situation, uh, the, the whole Massey High School P, yes. P yep. pamphlet. Indeed, uh, and I'm on the board of the Drug Foundation, actually. Okay, so, so you've got to draw this line. And the parents' argument was that by speaking about it in a way that normalises mm. drug taking, they believe, or the parents that were interviewed believe, that this would increase the likelihood of their kids experimenting with drugs. Mm. Is it is it a, a likelihood or a possibility that normalising a lot of the, the sexual behaviours you talk about mm-hmm. in the real sex talk, especially for people who are a bit younger and might not have considered it, is going to increase their chance of becoming sexually active earlier and, no. and the risks that come with that? No, actually the research says exactly the opposite. So when you actually you see the give... video go, <laughs> Potentially. Her, she's been, holding a wooden penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have been some comments that have been like, oh, I watched this and I feel so awkward. Oh, job done. <laughs> Which Good. is quite funny. Um, On behalf but, of parents everywhere. Yeah, there we go, exactly. But no, the research shows that when you give comprehensive, well-researched uh, sexuality education, things like um, teen pregnancy rates, they fall, um, the onset of sexual activity, the age of the onset actually rises. So there's a lot of evidence that suggests that if we actually empower young people with information, then they are able to make better decisions. And I think, you know, and also from a, just to quickly touch on that um, drug situation earlier this week, um, you know, I really, the information that was in that booklet is there for hardcore meth users. Mm. It's to try to reduce the harm that they're actually um, opening themselves up to. And as I understand it, that booklet was part of a a critical analysis class where the Mm. kids were being asked to analyse a social issue. Um, But, you know, to go back to the real sex talk, no, not at all. I think that a lot of young people really want to know um, a lot of this stuff. And they, they, at the moment, they can only look at porn. And I think, you know, the the problems with that are, are myriad. So, unlike a TV series, uh, The Real Sex Talk is available online forever. How can people uh, track it down and, and watch it? So, they can go to www.therealsextalk.com um, or they can go to Villainess, com. That's Villainess as in a female villain with an extra E on the end. Um, and they'll be able to find it there. They can find it on the Villainess Facebook page. They can find it on YouTube. Um, but the easiest way is just www.therealsextalk.com. Very good. Now, this has been a big project for you, and it's been going for a couple of years. Yes, what's uh, what's currently on the boil? What's occupying you now? Uh, so I'm just actually working on an event with the Human Rights Commission for Young Women, the New Zealand Young Women's Festival, which is all very exciting. Um, that happens in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, yeah, I, I have a, a book coming out later this year. A book? 
Indeed book, and I'm not allowed to say much about it yet, but I'm very excited and I can't wait to share it with everyone. You and your binding contracts. Hey, Lizzie Marbley <laughs> from The Real Sex Talk and many other things, thanks so much for joining me again thanks, on Vaughan. Sunday Social. Thanks. And you can listen back to that whole entire interview at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday Social or indeed on Apple iTunes as a, uh, as a podcast, free of charge as always after the break. Mr. Piyush Chandra joins me to talk about the apps, websites and internet news of the week. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. Hey, I'd like to start, PC, I'd like to start by a shout-out, by a shout-out to the uh, the help people at Uber. Yeah, I know. Ha- have you ever had a help issue with Uber? No, Never. 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 Not with Uber. You're a bit of a DIY, uh, you know, geek genius. But um, I was trying to go somewhere last night and uh, the map disappeared off my, my Uber app, which is, you know, a bit tough really because to go from one blobby white point to some other blobby white point is a bit of a, a hard ask. And not only that, but I couldn't couldn't type in destinations. The only thing I could do was go to places I've been to before. That's a shocker. It is a shocker. But um, the the good folks at Uber Help, and strangely, their names, I've just noticed, all start with J. I started with James, then I went to Jude, and uh, just recently spoke to Joey. I'm smelling a rat here. <laughs> like, are you talking to real people? I think everyone on the, sh- I think everyone on the, uh, on the Sunday shift just gets a J name to use. But uh, no, they've been great, uh, to the extent where, where when my frustration became... Evident, they uh, they rang me up just before just before the show and and talked me through it. And well, you know, I'm just going to go right around in Ubers after the show because because <laughs> I can, because I can. Um, PC, how have you been? Been really good, thanks, Vaughn. Uh, just got back from the states uh, last week, so now over the jet lag. Oh, and, you uh, you got back last week, so bad timing. Did did you did you make it to Google I/O? No, I didn't. I they failed to send me the invite again. <laughs> oh, check you got you got to check you got to check your Hotmail account or maybe your Gmail account more likely. No, um, so Google I/O maybe describe for people who haven't heard of it what it is. Google I/O it's uh, it's basically the ultimate nerd fest where uh, strategists, programmers, and VCs and tech people get to hang out and drink the Google Kool Aid. And critically see what they are about to release to market That's now right. there's there's been a bunch of things coming out um, or announced this week that'll be uh, on our on our devices and in our homes uh, really soon the one that got me really interested was a thing called Google duplex and I spoke to Wendell about this on on Thursday do we cameo on her show um, but it bears deeper analysis and let, well let's just have let's just have a listen to what happens when you get Google to make a call for you. What's happening out here? Hi, I'm calling with a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. So, PC, just, just listening to that, that's just two women 
talking to each other on the phone. One's trying to book a haircut for a friend of hers and the other works at the salon. But what's actually going on there? What did we just listen to? Well, it's uh, very, very interesting. It's the next progression of the Google Assistant. So w the voice that was making the call, that was making the appointment, was actually Google Duplex, an artificial intelligence engine that was mimicking human conversation. So, so really, that that was that was a computer talking to a human, and you could, you just couldn't tell. You really couldn't tell. So, I mean, this this is as you said, an evolution of something that already exists. And yeah. I've I've got a Google phone, and in fact, anyone with the Google app has Google Assistant. So you yes, can, if you, yeah, if you've got an iPhone, this is this is a little known fact. If you've got an iPhone, it comes with Siri built in, but you can install the Google app and you've got Google there as well so you, you, do. Can, you can you can ask both and actually Google assistant is just brilliant because if you've got your calendar loaded up and if you've got a whole bunch of other activities it will monitor traffic for you and tell you hey there's more traffic on the road today you need to leave 10 minutes early for your appointment I wonder if it works oh, should I try it should? should I try it live on air <laughs> so I've got, I've got my I've got my Android phone here and I say okay Google what time do I need to leave to get home by 9 p.m. Oh, do you know what's happened, PC? What's that? To start working with your assistant, <laughs> you will need to update Google Play services. Told you. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You know how I said, you know how I said that um, Uber was working. Well, one of the ways we had to to make Uber work was to disable some um, Google Assistant Play services. Well, that would have been a really cool demonstration. Other than that, it certainly would have. But I mean, if if, if anyone's got a, a a good Android phone and they've got the Google Assistant running, you know, that's their experience. And of and, it. and and it would have come back and said, you need to leave Radio Live by eight. You know, traffic that's is right. light and so on. But what's happening here with Duplex is I'm saying, okay, Google. Um, book me and uh, come to life on my desk. Uh, book me, book me a haircut on Monday, and Google knows what I'm doing on Monday because yes, my calendar is is you know run by Google. Um, it knows where I like to go for a haircut, or it might not know. It might just choose whichever one has the highest search ranking. That's right. That's right. And it makes the call on my behalf. The thing I liked about it. So so there's the the integration and intelligence part, but the natural language processing. You know, where the, the Google voice was going, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And phrases, well, like, with the, the, the one that got me was the salon woman said, um, okay, uh, just a second. And, you know, a, a rigid computer would come back after one second and go, yes. Yep, exactly. But, but it knows. It knows. It, knows. it is fully context aware. And, and that's the really freaky part that's, about that's the demonstration. Magic. So booking a haircut, I mean, it's it's not something I do, you know, every week. Um, what, what else could this outbound calling thing, this Google duplex, do for us in a, in a, in a wonderful new future? Well, look, I mean, if we want to be a malicious actor uh, and you want to influence a political process, currently you've got robo-dialers that call up and tell you about a specific candidate's policies and, and what you might expect from them. Yeah. Well, now you could be having a live conversation and not actually realize that you're being fed from an AI engine. So I could have, Jacinda Ardern could ring me up on a, on a, when I get home. Yeah. It's getting in early, to be honest, because the next election <laughs> is some way away. And I'd recognize her voice. You would. And it would be her, except it would be completely computer driven and she'd have a, a convincing conversation. That's she, right. She would, 
I suspect, very, in the very near future, passed what is known as the Turing test. Very close to it now. Which, which is, which is a, a, a long-established computer test of whether you can tell the difference between uh, an artificial intelligence yeah. and a human. That's right. And, and in fact, very famously, um, you know, Turing went on to say, uh, computers will never become human unless they learn how to gossip. And what you saw from that Google Duplex example was that it would very comfortably pick up something from a Google trend and feed it into the dialogue about yeah. the weather. Well, yeah, it knows about the weather. It can say, hey, well, isn't it a hot day? Well, you know, I need a haircut. Or, um, you know, what, what, what about those All Blacks? Didn't they do well? Exactly. Because that's, exactly. Just, that's just data, right? And we can, right. we can turn that data into so, so conversation. So that's some of the, the malicious stuff that you can do with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that you know the, the wait a minute, do no evil, isn't that Google? That's that's also Microsoft at one point. Well, definitely Google. Definitely Google. Google now, anyway. Um, but but having said that, you know, I, I think there's going to be a discussion about the ethics of what you should be able to do with an AI engine and how it should kind of explicitly call itself out as a computer so that we're not duping people. But but I kind of uh, I was little bit struck by the backlash that Google got for this demonstration because, you know, it does highlight those ethical I, I issues. Had, I have nothing but admiration for it. So what's, what, what kind of backlash was it getting? Exactly what I just said. There's a lot of ethical questions that have to be asked if your, your computer can mimic a human voice, can basically have a conversation with you that seeks to change your mind can feed yep. you lies, yep. can feed you rumors, and reinforce them because it's got all these other data points that it knows about you. But, but on a positive note, I could outsource my annual Mother's Day phone call <laughs> to Google. There is that. There is that plus side. So, that, so it's, it's possibly it's possibly a force for good. Hey, um, one other one other technology just before we go to the break that yeah. uh, has has sort of caught my interest, and this this is uh, sort of a privacy issue, I suppose. But um, an Australian company has just announced a technology designed for parents to track their teenagers' driving. Yeah. How old are your kids? Not They're not 11 and 12. Okay, it, you're steering down the barrel of that. We've had the first conversation, which is, that car looks really good. Do you think I could take it for a drive, Dad? Yes. So <laughs> so what they're selling, it sounds a bit old-fashioned. It's actually a box, but I suppose the kid can always take the phone out of the car but, or turn the phone off. Yeah. But this is a box yeah. that's wired into the car. Yeah. It has a GPS receiver yeah. and a SIM card, so it's connected to the data network. And it basically reports back to parents about um, how often they've broken the speed limit, uh, for how long, what their maximum and average speed was and where it happened. What do you think? Uh, you know, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but I, I'm increasingly becoming concerned with how much of our private information is being stored in the cloud and, and it is, you know, I mean, you, you think parents just accessing it, but think about everybody in that pipeline all along the way. All that's the that's way. a really good point because I know there was a news story today about um, the New Zealand government or you know police uh, introducing a new style of speed camera, which yes, <coughs> just just you know takes a photo of you in one spot and then another photo a kilometre down the 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 road and and by maths works out whether or not you've been speeding. Yeah. And there's a bit of you know there's an uproar about that. But here here we are people people paying you know sixty five dollars a month to just give this data away I know. To, to whomever. I know. It's, it is a concern. It is a crazy concern. After the break, the good news, the good news, the apps, websites, and uh, fun stuff you need to get through your digital week. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis.
And welcome back to Sunday Social. Yes, indeed, don't worry, be happy. There's a bazillion apps out there, even more if you're on the Android Play Store PC. But most of them, sadly, are rubbish. We've done the heavy lifting. We've sifted through the chaff to bring you the appy, appy wheat. Have we not? That is kind of true. Hit that button. Hit that button, my friend. There we go. Um, I am big on apps that do really simple, useful things. I'm a a single-purpose app. Single-purpose app. Yeah, (laughs) I love single-purpose apps. I love single-purpose websites. Um, I I prefer a good pencil to a fancy pen. I agree with you every time. Uh, If it does what it says on the tin... Buy it. Yeah. So here's one. Um, I, I I notice I notice that you're wearing uh, eyeglasses, and they do make you look. Very, <laughs> they do make you look very intelligent. That might be why you're wearing them, but uh, there may be a dark camouflage. Yeah, there may be a darker <coughs> reason. Um, so th- this app I, I stumbled across, and I'm amazed that this isn't built into the DNA of every smartphone with a decent camera. It's called Magnifier. Magnifier. Right. So simple. Um, you must, you're must. you the sort of guy who eats out at restaurants a lot. I do. I'm not calling you fat. No, no, that's quite I'm all just right. Saying, no. just saying restaurants. I, I've had the occasion. Yes. And, you've, and, and I'm talking about the proper restaurants, PC, the ones where the menu is on the table, yeah. not, not the ones where... Where, <laughs> where they the, have it on the signboard. Well, yeah. the menu's you know, on the board above the, the, yeah. above the counter. And the problem with those fancy restaurants is sometimes it can be hard to read the menu. Very guilty of what you're about to say next. Turn which on... Is, the take torch. a photo. Oh, well, <laughs> take a photo of the menu and zoom in. Okay, solution 1.0 <laughs> is just use the torch function on your smartphone to illuminate the menu, making it easier to read. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, and that's probably another, that'll be for 10 years. And yep. then when your eyesight gets even worse, take yep. a photo, enlarge it. Yep. But there's a whole category of apps designed to to get around this 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 whole problem, and they're called magnifiers. And all magnifiers do is turn your phone into a magnifying glass. And what else can, you know, what, what can't your phone do today? It's as simple as that. But, yeah. but you, we could have had this app 10 years ago. We could have all been using magnifier apps uh, and not having to uh, illuminate the, uh, the, the, the menu and oh. embarrass ourselves in front of the whole restaurant. I think it's genius. It is great, actually. I wish I'd known about it before I bought my glasses. It is. <laughs> There you go. You'd, you'd look ten years younger. Um, th- th- this is this is one of those things that's just so simple. You wonder why they didn't invent it earlier. Then, then of course, there's these um, apps which are so simple they're stupid. And I don't know if you were on the show or whether it was someone else, where there was an app called Ruler. Was that you? No, no. no but I'd so, love to hear about this okay. one. Okay. So there was this app, an Android app, um, and a lot of Android apps are really just tricks to get you to download the yeah. app so you can see the ads. Really. That's right. Yeah, More, and it's worse in Android land than it is in uh, iPhone land. But uh, the Ruler app, I thought, wow, how's it going to do this? Because I know that um, you know a phone can see things, it can sense motion, it can sense magnetic field, it can sense all those sorts of things. How's it going to measure things? Are you going to touch it at one end of a thing, move it, then touch it, and it senses the no. no. All it is is a life-size picture <laughs> of a ruler that appears on your screen, which you then hold up to the thing that you're measuring. Not, so, a very, not a very good use of a, of a phone there. No, so on the one hand, there's fantastic simple apps called uh, Magnifier. On the other hand, there are the ruler apps, which are absolutely rubbish. Hey, what's not rubbish, though, is Bacon and the That's United right. Church of Bacon. Why are we talking about this? So, as I said, I, I just came back from the state of <laughs> States a week ago, and um, I don't quite know how I managed it. I'm really into barbecue. I was at a, I was at a barbecue. I'm into barbecue. And I was surrounded by Trump supporters. And so I could not talk politics. So I turned to religion. 
Um, and uh, got introduced oh, to the... Oh, that, that'll, that'll be uncontroversial. <laughs> That's right. It was, it was a lot less controversial. Um, and I got introduced to the United Church of Bacon. And this is a bona fide church set up in 2010. Well, lots of things, lots of things in America are bona fide churches, let's be honest. Which has a membership of 20,000. They marry people. 20,000! <laughs> yep, they marry people. They have um, ordained ministers that can perform all forms of religious ceremonies for you, and their entire purpose is to promote atheism. <laughs> okay, but where does the bacon come in? Uh, it's their, uh, uh, well, every religion needs a symbol, and so they chose the one that everyone would love. Apart from apart from adherence to at least two other religions I can think of. Yeah, but, you know, they're in the States. They are in the States. That's okay. So it's, it's um, mom, uh, bacon pie, and the American way. That's right. So they've got a website? They do indeed. It's called United... Uh, unitedchurchofbacon.org and it is one of the funniest things you'll read where there's real satire at work but their eight commandments are just brilliant I can't remember all of them but you should read them but they take themselves deadly serious well they, they they're a bit like the onion they they um, they are in the habit of or they, they have the appearance of taking themselves really, really seriously and Vaughan you'll like this it was uh, founded by a former uh, marine uh, fighter pilot of course it was. Well, now that's actually surprising to me because um, I, I wasn't a fighter pilot. Right. PC, I was a transport pilot. I worked for a living. Um, <laughs> it really surprises me that a former fighter pilot would be part of, let alone found a religion, because to, to acknowledge a power higher than themselves <laughs> is... It's it kind of beggars belief. I'm not quite convinced about that. I might have to do more research. Hey, um, DIY, last app of the night, DIY. Do you do a bit of DIY? I try and avoid it as much as possible. Do you? I'm not very good at it. If it's something to do on a computer and you want to bend and twist it there, I'll be fine. But if it's actually machining and tooling, um, sadly, I so, want to keep so, my limbs where they are. So CIY, contract it yourself, which is yeah. um, yeah. just getting, getting, getting a guy in. Big shout out to Builders Crack. Amazing. Yes. Yes, or tradey, tradey, or tradey. That's tradey. Right. Couple, couple of good sites if you if you can't be bothered uh, doing stuff yourself. But if you do like to do the stuff yourself, yeah. one of the big challenges that um, everyone who you know bangs holes in walls faces is what is behind the wall that you're about to bang a hole in. Yes, I uh, w while I was in the states, I was helping my brother-in-law who loves DIY install a new home alarm system and so we went through something like seven walls yeah you could have used this app yeah so this is really cool it's an app and a gadget it's called wallabot and maybe there's some pun in there i'm missing <laughs> w-a-l-a-b-o-t wallabot wallabot i don't get it i don't get it but uh it's it's expensive but uh you know one one pipe not hammered through will pay for itself 115 dollars us clips onto your android phone and basically turns it into an x-ray device yeah. for seeing into the wall. So you can see the stud. You can probably see the dwang. You don't even know what a dwang is. Know what yeah. a dwang is, man. The nogs. Um, you can see all that stuff. You can see wires. You can see pipes. But, and I don't know if I want to see this next bit, you can see animal life inside the wall. So you can see rodents and insects up to 10 centimetres inside your wall. Maybe you can see aliens, like in the alien movie. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be an amazing sensor for it to be picking up soft tissue of rodents. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's some sort of I don't know what it is a micro microwave uh, a, a, a right, low so power the microwave radar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's called Wallabot. W a l a b o t dot com. Uh, one hundred and fifteen dollars US. You need an Android phone. Luckily, I happen to have one. Huawei Android phones are great. 
get off the iPhone as quick as you can. Really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, that's that is absolutely. I, th- I think it's my app of the week, apart from that Magfire one. Hey, well, thank you so much, PC, for coming in and joining me on the show again. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Vaughan. I look forward to having you again. Um, will, you be, will you be scurrying off to uh, to to view Lizzie Marbley's real sex talk? I, of course you will. I will, of course, she would yes. do. She no, would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till my kids are a little older and then I'm going to turn it on for Don't them. wait. 12 is perfect. Uh, <laughs> she will do the same for you. Uh, hang around because Graham Hill is here for the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis. This has been Sunday Social Nighty Night.